0: I'm Josh Cooperman and this is Convo by Design with a tribute to one of the more prominent personalities on the Southern California design scene whose loss will be felt equally by those who knew him and those who were beneficiaries of his work. We say goodbye to a friend this week, Jeff Sampson. Jeff Sampson was the vice president of marketing at the Pacific Design Center, a role he held since the latter part of 2013. One of Jeff's most notable contributions to our design community was to refocus PDC efforts of the annual West Week and Fall Market events. He did this through creative programming and a nonpartisan approach to media partners. If you were a strong partner, it didn't matter how long you were around. Jeff and I met in 2014. Shortly after I started Convo by Design, I approached Jeff with an idea. I wanted to be a media partner that would record and feature Pacific Design Center programming and replay it for the trade. The podcast was brand new. The Pacific Design Center would recognize Convo by Design as a media partner, which provided me a wonderful opportunity to introduce the idea of podcasting in general, and Convo by Design in particular as well as on-demand audio to the SoCal design community. Jeff said yes. He didn't have to do that, but he did, because that's the kind of person Jeff was, the type of person who would listen to you if you had an idea, because he was curious and because he cared. He was an excellent marketer too. Seven years ago, not many in the trade knew what a podcast was, but Jeff recognized that he could get his remarkable programs out to more people for whom he was working so hard to serve. The trade partners and showrooms of the Pacific Design Center in particular and the design community as a whole would benefit. Jeff Sampson had a 20-year career in marketing, with the past six at the PDC. He had hundreds of friends and admirers in the design community, Jeff also had a life outside of design, where many more will miss him. They will miss him around the holidays, when Jeff would slow down and spend time with family and friends, at happy hour, which was kind of like an anytime holiday. Jeff loved Doris Day, and also had an affinity for Rhoda and Phyllis, in TV and in real life, recognizing and appreciating all their imperfections he loved to travel and he loved to share his experiences Uh, he loved Paris when it drizzles as well as when it sizzles Jeff had style he had grace and he took his exit too soon I wanted to honor Jeff the best way I know how and that would be through sharing him in his own words with you this is a conversation I had with Jeff in 2015 he was episode 15 of Convo by Design, which means this episode was recorded and aired within months of starting the podcast. But Jeff made the time for me. Um, we sat down, we talked, uh, we talked about our partnership. We, we met at the PDC uh, in his office. And um, this is Jeff Sampson. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a forward acting brand that has built on the promise to provide designers and architects with the right materials to do their best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. This is a family business with over 65 years of global product discovery, sourcing, and manufacturing the finest products available. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program to make the specifying process simple with the support you need. They also have been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. Check out their collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Please also make sure to join us for an interactive video series called The Showroom, where you can find some of the most innovative designers talking about their creations. This is just another example of how Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. Check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online. WalkerZanger.com Welcome to another episode of Convo by Design really happy today I, I know i say that before every episode is sitting today with jeff Sampson, uh, director of marketing for the pacific design center and you've been listening for the past gosh three weeks to episodes that we've recorded live from west week 2015. the panels were fantastic you heard from aia you heard from lux interiors you heard from architectural digest the panels were great. The panels were fun. But they always are. And, and of course, designers and architects, enthusiasts, we, we always show up to West Week every year. And it just looks it just looks so easy. So sitting today with Jeff, who is the one who put together
1: West Week this year, it was simple, right? Yeah, absolutely. No and trouble at all. No trouble at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, good that it looks simple. I mean, I think that's sort of the point. Uh, there's obviously a lot of... Uh, Hard work and a lot of uh, you know, negotiation over the course of many months to you know, coordinate with our media partners and the different designers that are coming to the market to present, and certainly the showrooms and their programs. So uh, if it comes off like it was, you know. Just- simple easy elegant then my job is complete yeah and West Week uh, we were just talking before this West Week was what it was a response to Uh, back in the early to mid 80s the showrooms at uh, Pacific Design Center the commercial contract showrooms that were here uh, people like Knoll and Herman Miller Steelcase uh, those brands uh, they were looking to create a market here on the West Coast uh, that um, was you know sort of a response to Neocon in Chicago, so this was really Westwick was really a uh, a, a contract design trade show for um, uh, for the trade specifically uh, the the commercial community uh, and it evolved over the years uh, where the residential showrooms became more integrated with it and then as time evolved in those uh, commercial brands, you know, they changed their business model and they wanted more street presence. Uh, they went to, you know, the West Side. They went to Santa Monica. They went downtown, and the natural evolution was that the residential sherms that are really who our our, our tenant base represents, uh, they embraced it as their own. So it really morphed into a uh, a residential interiors um, market.
0: The design Center hit a pretty significant mark uh, this year forty years
1: that's right that's
0: remarkable it, absolutely um, in, in your mind, what what does if you could synopsize the, the first 40 years and what it's, what it's meant to the design community mm-hmm. on the west coast for sure but but domestically globally for sure what, is, what does the first 40 years represent?
1: Uh, Well, I I think for certainly the West Coast and Los Angeles specific, the PDC was something extremely unique. Um, In New York or Chicago, you have buildings that were specific to design trade they housed you know, multiple brands uh, it was one stop shopping but here in Los Angeles uh, we didn't really have that it was uh, scattered ab- among the, the boulevards and avenues here in West Hollywood so there was no real galvanized uh, concentrated one stop shop for designers for uh, further sourcing uh, so it was the vision of Sequoia Pacific and several other interests to um, change that dynamic and create a offering that would satisfy uh, the burgeoning design community that certainly existed here on the West Coast. Um, and over 40 years, uh, that has certainly evolved uh, not only the design trade that, we're, we, that we focus on here. Uh, I mean, Pacific Design Center has really become a campus that specializes in uh, design, the arts the entertainment community, Uh, we have a vested interest in technology, and that all uh, it demonstrates itself through not only the tenancy in the in the main building, the blue building, but how the green building and now the red building are positioned. Um, certainly the addition of the MoCA Gallery, the Pacific Design Center uh, MoCA Gallery here, uh, and the various events that we host with the entertainment industry. It just sort of has transformed the meaning of this uh, property as this all-encompassing sort of creative cultural center.
0: And it's interesting, too, Charles Cohen, yes. Uh, in his words, in I think at least at least one of the um, uh, podcasts from the keynotes, he mentioned that I think this was his fifteenth West Week.
1: Yes, he acquired the building, I believe, in 1999. Um, so that would be right about the time, yeah, 15 years.
0: How is it working for someone like Charles? He's got he's got very strong opinions and ideas about design, and he's got his his strong ideas. You know the, the the red and green buildings sat mostly empty because he had a vision for them. He didn't want to race to the bottom in square footage and rent it out to just anybody. He had a he had a vision.
1: That's true, yes. Well, it, it, it is his vision that really has transformed the campus. So, the three buildings were always part of the original concept with Cesar Pelli. Uh, and uh, Gruen Associates, who also were, were part of the of the development of the property. Uh, the green building was opened in 1988. Uh, we were at our zenith in terms of leasing. I mean, the building was, you know, essentially 100% uh, occupied. Uh, but as we moved into the 90s, of course, there was the recession, and that really... Um, uh, the, the the process of you know realizing a, a second wing to the design center leveled off, and then with the '90s, their you know leasing anywhere was was problematic. Uh, by the time Charles came along uh, and, and acquired the building, he saw not only the Uh, opportunity to really expand upon what this campus could be Uh, but his you know his destiny was to fulfill the original vision and build the red building and not just focus solely on the design trade which is, of course is important to us but seeing the other avenues of of opportunity again in in terms of the art world in terms of the kind of leasing that we could do uh... in the entertainment industry with uh... uh talent agencies pr firms uh... the fashion industry now is something that we're focusing on and certainly technology so it was his vision to see the property uh, evolve into something uh, that was more holistic in its uh, uh, what it could represent to the community at large.
0: And I think it's interesting too, to your point, that it's becoming not just a, a design center for home and interior design, but really is an, an entertainment and arts design center. Is and you know we were talking about the past forty years and moving forward into the next forty years from a strictly philosophical perspective cuz who's to say you know what's going to happen in 2 years let alone 20. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the goal for you, you know, as as a marketing director, your your job is to in part present keynotes and resources and opportunities for the design trade to to come
1: here and learn
0: and to keep coming and to keep discovering. Yeah. How
1: do, how do you do that? Well, I think you have to listen to the the needs of the community. You have to listen to the needs of the showroom. Um, you need to be aware of what's going on out in our world and understand how it, it's constantly evolving. I mean, the design industry has gone through such an extraordinary uh, transformation over the years primarily because of technology, but certainly, you know, the end user has become much more informed. Uh, there's a, a greater harmony in the relationship between the client and the designer, uh, and, uh, you know, we need to be constantly understanding what, what those needs are and presenting whether it's through the West Week or Fall Market or through our our in between market lecture program series called Design Inside Out, um, or the partnerships that that we engage in, we constantly need to be needing to be on our game as to what is going to help educate designers, uh, inform them, inspire them, bringing you know uh, authorities in design, bringing like aspirational type. Um, you know, I'd say personalities that are our leaders in the design world, uh, and and giving you know, a breadth of uh, information to designers that they might not find you know outside of this building.
0: Yeah, and it's it's hard too because you know the the vast majority of designers that I've spoken to, it's tough for them because they spend so much of their time working on the artistic side of it. Yeah, you know, it's here's the job. I have to go source materials. I have to work with my temperamental client. I have to try to make, you know, work with the architect and get the architect off the ledge. And here's, from a design perspective, here's what we really are trying to do. So they're so busy working on the projects that they currently have. Then they have to try to source new business because at some point this project's going to end and they have to get another one. That to try to stay on top of all of the other things, the sourcing of new materials, you know, here in Los Angeles, uh, part of California water restrictions. Water's always been an issue here, but now in design, they're being forced to, to factor in mandatory cutbacks in water. So landscaping is going to change dramatically. Hardware is going to change dramatically. Plumbing is going to change dramatically. Kitchen and bath, it's going to change dramatically. So there's, there's always a sort of a, a moving goalpost to try to hit. Yeah. It's gotta be a challenge for you when you look at fall market and you look at west week and you look at the regular programs that you're putting out how to provide the kind of material that they don't necessarily need now but they're going to need in three years from now
1: sure um well again not having a crystal ball it's you know hard to always imagine what's the next curve in the road that we need to be uh, aware of uh but i think again it goes back to producing programming that is of a high level, that it's intelligent, that you're uh, engaging with partners. I mean, you mentioned AIA. I think that's a really great example of a partnership that really brings a great deal of authority and legitimacy in terms of um, knowledge and, and who they speak to and what, what their uh, what their goal is in, in educating their membership. Uh, and the program that we had that you, again, referenced, it was this concept of how architecture techs and designers which at one time you know there was a very definite divide between the industries and I think a certain attitude about the disciplines you know depending on what side of the of the fence that you were on but now we're seeing you know as the world continues to evolve and things become more transparent it's all about walls coming down that you see, you see that architects and designers understand and respect, you know, the value that each brings to a particular project, and and you know, maybe that's not, you know earth-shattering information, but I think it is a a different mindset, and to hear stories about how successful designers and successful architects are putting the ego aside and and working together for the benefit of the client, Uh, and again, each bringing a particular level of expertise to the point that you were making about uh, you know how uh, we, as an industry, need to constantly be on our game and evolving because things like you know water issues are are, are paramount. Well, you know that that's where I think you know the collaborative process, which was what the p- program was about, uh, you know, makes ensures that you know the, these concepts are are brought to the table. That if one partner isn't isn't maybe up on their information, that the other partner will be, and so. I mean, I think that's how, you know, we sort of respond to, to those uh, needs to, again, constantly being uh, ahead of the curve with informing uh, our, our, our membership or our, our designers.
0: And, and part of that, too, is technology. Um, I see the applications for technology because, you know, there, there have been conversations for, gosh, for, for years now, especially mm-hmm. here in L.A. Where, where traffic is just so bad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, does Main Street matter? I recall being a headline that I that I saw. I think I think it was one of the um, DM mm-hmm. program, and it was an interesting conversation. Does Does a central location make a difference anymore in the with the advent of you know House and Pinterest and mm-hmm. all of the online resources and the when you talk to designers and you talk to architects, the answer is absolutely yes. Because there's a place to go and actually see something. There's there's a feeling, there's a smell, there's a sight line, there's a vision. There's a collaborative feeling like you were talking about of of all of the showrooms next to each other and being able to get multiple ideas by being in one space. It's it's inspirational. Yeah. The question is, how do you how do you continue to drive the foot traffic? And part of that is, you know, with the city of West Hollywood now, we're looking at something that, that Charles Cohen is is Behind is a, a Metrolink station as as part of the design center, as part of the overall campus. Um, do you think that's something that's that's going to
1: happen? I can't speak, you know, in 100% terms about that. I've heard about that. Uh, I think that is part of a future development for the property uh, here in, in the West Hollywood community that um, is in conversation. Uh, I mean, the idea of constantly bringing in foot traffic into the building, I think, is is an important uh, point. Uh, we would we bring in, I would say, fifteen to eighteen hundred people a week come through the building. Um, I would say a third of that is the design community. Uh, the balance of that is, you know, there, again, there are other industries that office here, so they're bringing in constant foot traffic. And then when you're thinking about you know the entertainment industry and the again the talent agencies and the pr firms that are here and the clients that they bring in part of you know charles's vision is that these are industries whose end user you know the, whether it's the you know the celebrities who are the clients of the you know the agencies or whomever the the customer might be it's a high net worth customer coming through the building and being exposed to the products that are the products that they would source with their designer, uh, you know, if they were in, in 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 the in the business or in, in the uh, uh, having the need to to uh, redesign or design or buy a home and furnish it. Um, so again, the, the the foot traffic into the building is important for the showrooms, and the bringing a diversity of business into the building helps um, funnel that. And again, it, it's a cross section of of customer. Uh, but again, when you when you talk about the technology uh, aspect, where I, I think the, the and the and the experiential component, yes, I think designers have. Uh, uh, use the internet uh, much more uh, um, aggressively as they may, may have used. You know, coming into the building every single day. Uh, the idea of efficiency and effectiveness and being able to um, be more uh, functional in, in sourcing product through the internet is is critical. Uh, but to your point, it's the coming into the building and coming into the showroom and, and having that sense of inspiration and experience which can't be duplicated online Uh, so I think there's a great balance between uh, the online world and the, the the world of the showroom experience and one can't really exist without the other at this point so from your perspective for the design trade for
0: for the shelter space what is what is the best way that you can imagine to use cuz this really is it is a resource center i mean that, i would say that's its its primary purpose is it's a resource center and it's it's here to inspire what's the best way for designers to to use all the resources what what do you think is the number 1 thing too that's available to the design trade that they don't they don't know is available to them
1: well i think it's um I mean, we have a loyal, long, uh, long-standing relationship with a significant population of the interior design community here on the West Coast, and nationally, if not internationally. Um, I would say that where our you know, uh, challenge is, or what our goals need to be, is really informing and educating uh, a younger designer who is probably more prone to be using the internet more prone to you know the, their exposure to perhaps the retail community and you know their that that community's success in uh, attracting uh, the designers and creating opportunities for them, um, our goals are to continue to encourage you know our relationships with uh, a younger designer who needs to realize that uh, the Pacific Design Center has an extraordinary wealth of products, an extraordinary range of of, of uh, uh, resources that you know they're not going to find at retail. And when you think about this building, it, it, we have you know nearly a hundred showrooms. We have over two thousand different manufacturers. It's an international uh, mix of, of offerings. You can't find that you know, in any one location outside of this building. So uh, if there was any segment of our population that, that, you know, we're working to really embrace, and that's either through the schools um, or creating programming that's specific to that particular, uh, you know, uh, professional, um, engaging them beca- with, with, again, going back to the idea of, of sharing information and bringing in the kind of thought leaders that they're going to relate to or, and it's, or programming that will resonate with them. You know, that's what we're, we're working towards. So um, I would say, that, again, that the, uh, there's a lot here to experience. There's always new resources coming into the building, and we are continually challenged to you know ensure that we're, our message is out there and being being received.
0: And it's interesting too because part of that, it's almost like you have this triangle. Part of that, you have the the design center, you have the designers, and then you have the showrooms, and you have the showroom managers. Um, what what is that relationship like, and do you do you have do they participate? Do they provide an in, input to you is it, can you use them as a source, and how better can they as showroom managers? I mean they're the front lines right? They mm-hmm. see people coming in, they get the feedback instantly. How do you work with the with the showrooms to provide resources that designers need?
1: well I mean it's it's it, it, we are only as good as the sum of our parts, right um, The showrooms are the design center. So it is, you know, a daily experience with them. It may be in person, it may be over the phone, it may be through email, but there's a constant conversation that's occurring with us. Uh, You know, certainly there are showrooms that are the leaders and they uh, are constantly bringing in, whether it's through the the resources that they have uh, or the relationships that they can leverage. Uh, There are those who, you know, uh, I think are... The, the aspirational showrooms and there are the showrooms that uh, are perhaps um, need more of our uh, support because they may be you know new or they may you know not be as uh, f- as financed let 's say as a showroom that's that's that 's a global brand that 's been around for you know forty fifty a hundred years whatever it might be uh, so there's there 's a great deal that they can bring to us and do because um, it, it's those showrooms that have designer license uh, arrangements or, or agreements that bring in, uh, let's say, someone like uh, Mary McDonald, who was our uh, keynote for uh, for West Week. Uh, you know, we engaged with Lux Magazine about presenting a a keynote. Uh, the conversation you know, evolved into who, you know, from your perspective and your editorial voice would be a great match for uh, a keynote. Uh, Mary McDonald's name came to the top of the list. Well, that was perfect because Mary was rolling out a new uh, uh, collection for Schumacher. Uh, we reached out to Schumacher. They were all on board, and so there was really great synergy there. So those are how those you know relationships work. I mean, it happens with people like Thomas Lavin. It happens pe- with people like Baker. I mean, it goes on and on. So there's, you know, and, and that's not just about market. There certainly is, you know, a day-to-day um, uh, dialogue that exists where are looking to the building to help support uh, their their branding efforts through the communications and, you know, marketing opportunities that we provide. And, and by the way, you talk about Mary McDonald, and you
0: can hear that episode on Combo by Design. We recorded that. You know, we were thrilled to be a part of that. Um, and, and I think it's important, too, because in the past, you know, it's you'll have you'll have it not you but you know anyone who who puts a program together will have a keynote um panel you'll have a whole series of pan- there were i don't know how many actual events during west week this year but there were a ton and you have these remarkable conversations and all of a sudden they're just up and away into the ether mm-hmm. so we're, we're proud to provide it go back if you're listening go back and find the episode inside the designer studio with mary mcdonald um again if you were to look into your crystal ball uh the next the next forty years for the design center. What is... match that with the original Scissor Pelly purpose and design for the design center? And I will I'll actually back up a second further. as you, you brought out the original perspective, uh, prospectus rather for uh, for the design center, and you can tell it's from the seventies by the color palette and yeah. materials. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, as I look through it, it it makes sense, and it kind of looks like what the design center is today. So from a vision standpoint, it seems to be on point. The next 40 years, what's, what's, what's the goal?
1: Well, I'd like to actually start by saying that I think you're absolutely right and is really very interesting, and when you bring very intelligent, uh, forward-thinking people together and have a concept that you end up 40 years later, actually uh, uh, realizing that concept uh, exactly, and it was a very forward-thinking idea back in 1975 that uh, there would be these three extraordinary architecturally relevant uh, Buildings that were you know miles ahead of what anyone probably thought about architecture back in 1975, and that the idea would be that this would be a vibrant uh, community of businesses. I mean, the the reality is that the first level of the design center was envisioned as a consumer accessible. floor that would have a variety of businesses that were, could be restaurant, could be banking, could be, you know, retail, uh, and that the upper floors would be where the trade would shop. It didn't ultimately turn out that way uh, in terms of of what the businesses are, but the idea of having that a mix of trade and consumer and a, a dynamic occurring is really where we've gone, I believe, with the green building, the red building, the, again, the art component that we have here, um, and the various events that occur. So there's a, this constant evolution, and, and it's Looking forward 40 more years, again, this is still in a conversation state, but the idea of developing a uh, more mixed-use residential retail uh, community that's adjacent to the property, I think, brings that sort of full circle. Um, So... um, Again, don't have the crystal ball, you know. You know, in, in 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 practical terms, but you know, if if this continues the way you know we see it, um, the vision that started out forty years ago will, you know, I think move in that direction.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me too because I, I love this. And I, I've said it before. It's so interesting to me too, as as an Angelino born and raised, right? From a design and architecture standpoint the way the the Pacific Design Center is with the Blue Whale and the Red Building and the Green Building, it it pops out and it doesn't look like it's supposed to be here, but it fits here perfectly. Mm -hmm. You can see it from miles away, towering above the palm trees and the the postmodern architecture and the modern and the contemporary, but it's just, it's different and it's special. And it's one of those, you know, LA was not a well-planned city. It wasn't planned out well. Mm But the vision that they've had for the design center, I think it's appropriate because there has been a long-term plan put in place, which is why you look at the perspectives from the 70s and it matches where it is some 40 years later. And I think it's, it's, it's rare that that happens.
1: Well, interesting point that the, the um, concept of the building was It was not supposed to fit into this community. It wasn't supposed to morph into its surroundings it was supposed to stand out it was supposed to be intrusive I mean that that was the vision of it I think 40 years later you know obviously everyone has become so accustomed to the architecture and it really is an international icon uh, that that doesn't it doesn't feel that way anymore it feels appropriate it feels like it belongs you know because again after 40 years, we all come to you know accept that this is what the design industry is in Los Angeles. It is unique. It is different. It is pushing the, the boundaries. It is pushing the envelope. And these buildings really do that, but they do it in really beautiful, um, dynamic sort of ways. It's an interesting sort of way these buildings sort of fit together their their angles and, the, and and the different viewpoints that you can get from you know observing this building there's been a lot of photography uh, that has uh, that, that this building has served as the, the centerpiece of and um, its it really is remarkable the, the 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 vantage points that this 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 property can can project
0: yeah and I'll tell you this if if you if, anyone who is either in the trade or simply an enthusiast of the trade, if you haven't walked the blue building you need to uh, walk the outside go look at the wavy lawn when did the wavy lawn start
1: was that original no no the, actually that was part of Charles's. Uh, when he acquired the building he made some significant investments in upgrades to the building so that was something that was part of his imprint uh, the, the the wavy lawn at, at Melrose the plaza outside um, uh, on San Vicente uh, The there was a lot of uh, internal infrastructure structure that was uh redesigned in the way of the flooring in the, in the building it, back in the day it was all red brick the, the the main level the first floor of the blue and the fifth floor of the blue i think even the sixth floor it was all red brick really yeah and he changed that he made it much more contemporary much you know much more streamlined actually much more befitting i think the architecture
0: yeah well it's it's funny um i was This is a while back. I was running late for a meeting and I was running outside of the PDC and I was running to my car and I stopped because the guy was out there mowing the lawn and I was already late. But I couldn't help it. I just had to stand out there and watch him. It's a little performance art. It is, it, exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what it was. It was it was remarkable to watch him run up the hill and then mm-hmm. get pulled down the hill. Mm-hmm. It was just it was amazing. But I encourage everyone to to come to the design center, walk the design center. Uh it's because it's inspirational. Um you will get ideas here. Um I think I think the showrooms take a Remarkable amount of pride. I think retailers in general if they if they care for what they do They're going to take pride in their showrooms, but I think here because they're amongst their peers uh, Because of the people who are walking the floor they take an extra Oh, well,
1: They have to I mean yeah. I, I mean, you know again this this is an industry that is all about inspiration It's all about creativity. It's all about the imagination um, And those sure and it's also about a point of view so you know I would say nearly all the showrooms in the building have a particular way of presenting themselves, and it's done in a very... You know, elegant, sophisticated, um, experiential sort of, uh, uh, of way. Um, you know, there, I'm sure back in the day, I certainly remember retail back in the day where it was just get the product in, take up as much square footage as you can with product because you need to sell. Well, that's not the design philosophy. That, you know, it's about negative space and about walking into an environment that you can actually see the product and um and and imagine that product in in its arrangement as you know part of a design of a home and it's interesting that retail has basically you know um modeled that they've 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 figured that out so when you go to you know retail uh better retail anyways you'll see that 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 concept which is a design showroom concept has been um Has been has been modeled, so it's interesting. Yeah, well, it's interesting to me too that not only do they take that source
0: of pride in the building itself, but the moment you step outside the building, you can tell the influence and the impact that the design center has had on its community, its direct community. Look at the West Hollywood Library. Mm -hmm. Um, For anyone who hasn't seen the West Hollywood Library, it is. It's a work of art. It's absolutely amazing. The showrooms that surround the design center—they take the same sense of pride because they know that people are looking. Follow the design center. Follow them on Twitter: PDC Design Center at PDC Design Center. Follow us as well at Convo by Design. And again, if you haven't had a chance to walk it, walk it. Come here, take a look. Uh, this is Convo by Design with Director of Marketing for the Pacific Design Center, Jeff Sampson. Jeff, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> That was my conversation with Jeff Sampson from 2015. Jeff was gracious with his time and his partnership. He was a good friend and amazing supporter of the Southern California design community. To those of you who knew Jeff well and called him a friend, I am so sorry for your loss. Thank you for listening. You make this podcast possible. And it's comforting to know that we all share in the work And we can also share the grief at times like these. Please make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode in the future. And if you want to continue this conversation, you can find us on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X. Be well. And until next week, keep creating.